of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one that went that way and paid the penalty of, for us, made salvation a free gift that whosoever will can come and take um, abundantly from the life that he offers to us. And so uh, this morning, I guess, uh, <clears throat> the just touch a little bit on a uh, <clears throat> a uh, word or a thing that Jesus taught about um, so much in the scriptures he talks about a lot and um, it's a it's a which as all you could say the word of God is it cannot be exhausted so to speak um, each and every time we look into it or find it or read it why we uh, we learn more we get uh, perspective from it and it helps us and encourages us to keep on like this morning we again saw what a picture of John that painted that he painted of what heaven was going to be like <clears throat> the 24 elders there and thrown in their crowns and and uh, a continuous uh, praise and honor and glory to to God <clears throat> so it's about the kingdom just some realities about the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist, he first came out and he talked about the kingdom of God. And Jesus came when his first, one of his first messages, he talked about the kingdom of God. And we know different, there's lots of verses like, so where is the kingdom of God? You know, he tells us that it's within us. What does that look like? What is it? What is he uh, um identify that or how do we identify with um, living in the kingdom or kingdom living you know you hear these terms um, what is it <clears throat> so um, I think it as all scriptures and as as all areas and matters of our life I think it it boils down to our perspective doesn't it and what shaped and what molded that perspective you know, there's things that, that affect our perspective of, of life and of Scripture and of whatever we're doing. Um, so, but let's get a little, um, let's, get, let's get Paul's perspective that he writes that his desire for us would be, and I think it's, he wrote it because it's Scripture, inspired by God for him to write this. And look at, let's look at Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Um, a few verses here that he prayed, Paul's prayer was for his people that he was talking to at that time. And we know the word of God is for us today too. So may this help, may this help shape our perspective a little bit on, on the kingdom. <clears throat> so in verse, uh, starting in verse 15, I guess, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Um, let's stand, stretch our legs, and we'll read these verses here to the end. Just get a little, <clears throat> maybe you can move your feet a little bit and I'll push a little blood up to the brain and help us to get a little new perspective and fresh insight in what we need here. So, anyways, <clears throat> um, verse 15 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints... He's expressing himself there to the Ephesian people that he, he heard of their faith 
and how they, how they had love unto all the saints. It says, He ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he mentioned. Here's what he said. Here's what, here's what is his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glories, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Um, that's, that's pretty key even to us today that we, um, that we have a desire, that we have, um, it's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. He tells us in a verse another place. But that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him. And then he goes on in verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And this according to the working of his mighty power, this was the, this was the mighty power, the mighty hand of God in verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places that we had a picture of this morning. Christ is there. Um, so if we believe according to the working of the power of God, the mighty power of God, he raised him from the dead. 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> so Paul had a, you know, tried to instill this perspective in, in the Ephesian people um, to show them or, you know, his desire for them and his prayer for them of, of what Christ and what God had done through Christ um, for them, for their life, and helping to, to strengthen them to understand that that was God's power that raised him from the dead so they would believe also um, in that, in the mighty power of God. <clears throat> do we believe that? You know, I ask myself, do I believe in that resurrecting power God is able, that he used, that he had, that he gave and to raise Jesus from the dead is for us today also. <clears throat> so going, just starting over now a little bit, and thinking about the word kingdom, you know, or I, what, what is, a, you know, the definition of, of the kingdom? What is a kingdom? Well, in the kingdom of God, if we think of the kingdom of God, then it would be God's rule and his authority and his sovereign rule, um, his domain, um, his sphere, his influence, um, and in the kingdom of God's definition, it would be not only for his rule today and now, or was in the past, 
but also his complete rule over the future. You know, um, it concludes his his complete rule of of history in history as as well as the present and the time that we live in today. And you know, back in the day when there was kings, you could say um, it was you know the, whatever the king said was life or death. You didn't approach the king without being acknowledged, you know. Um, we know that history speaks of all that. And he had complete, you know, dominion over his subjects and everybody that was within his, um, was within his territory, was, was, was within his boundaries. <clears throat> so, to have um, kingdom, um, to have kingdom perspectives and kingdom uh, rules within our life, um, we must do what? We must follow or be obedient to the King, which is God. If we we, we want to talk about the kingdom of God. Um, and we must if we want to let it have its effect on us. <clears throat> so in a kingdom of God um, reality or perspective, it's, it is simply the spiritual reign or authority of God. And I just looked this up on, on, in the dictionary, I guess. Um, and it's also the fulfillment of, it's the fulfillment on earth of God's will. And both Jesus and John the Baptist came, and their first, the first thing that they, their, their preaching started out with, it says the kingdom of God is at hand. Is at hand. So um, first, let me let me share this. There's, there's, I've read a little article. There's seven principles to the kingdom of God, and they're not foreign to us, but I think they play an important, very important aspect of what kingdom living looks like or can be. Um, and these principles are love, repentance, faith, obedience, purpose, fearless, and prayer. So in Matthew 3, um, in Matthew chapter th- 3 is where uh, we read of John the Baptist um, coming out and the first couple verses there it says in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is the one that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare you the way of the Lord and make his path straight and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And they went out to him, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about the Jordan and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So John's first thing he said, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <clears throat> if we go back to, to uh, Mark chapter 1,
Um, verse 9. <clears throat> he was, uh, John the Baptist was there around, uh, you know, the, uh, Judea and, and Galilee, there, the Jordan. And in, here in verse 9, we have Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John, was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway, coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness for forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Now after that, John was in, put in prison. <clears throat> and Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So the very, the very first thing that, that Jesus did after John was put into prison, when he came there into Galilee, he preached the same message. So what is this king, you know, the kingdom of God? And saying, <clears throat> the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. The very same words that John used. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And shortly, right after that, he was walking there by the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus started calling his disciples to him. He called out, he found Simon, um, Andrew his brother, um, and he said unto them, Come after me, I'll make you fishers of men. They forsook their, their nets. Um, he found the sons of uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Um, he started calling them. But his first message was, again, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye. And believe the gospel. <clears throat> so John, you know, announced this, prepared the way of the Lord, and he came preaching that. Um, Jesus brought it into place. Um, Jesus says in John 14 tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes into the Father except by him. Um, his words give evidence that there's that there's again by re by repentance and believing in the gospel. There's power in that, in Jesus' words there. <clears throat> Let's read, uh, there's several more verses here on the, on the kingdom of God. Um, another thing, like the kingdom in being uh, of entering into that kingdom or being in the kingdom of God. So um, here's just several of them. I just picked these out, out of the back um, in the reference guide. It says conditions for entrance. And the first thing it says conditions for entrance into that kingdom is humility. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sympathetic services. Like being of service to them. Matthew 25, 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. It takes perseverance to be in that kingdom. Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man that having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We know it takes the new birth. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. Like how many times is this word or this phrase, the kingdom of God, you know, comes forth? Endurance. It takes endurance. It's not just something that, that is easy today or, or it's hard today and easy tomorrow. It, it takes enduring power. So in Acts 14.22, we read this, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And in James, it tells us that it takes faith and love. It says, Hearken, my brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? We know that the kingdom of God, you could say in the, in the book of Acts there, um, when the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles, um, it, came, it showed itself in a, in a mighty power, in a mighty rushing of wind, in cloven tongues, you could say, upon their heads. Um, in Acts 2.2 it says, And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing of mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In 1 Corinthians 4.20 tells us, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. Revelations 11.17 says, Saying that we give thee thanks, o, o Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. <clears throat> There's, there's more verses of it, about Jesus, you could say, in being Christ's kingdom or the kingdom of, of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> in Matthew 16, 28, we read, it says, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Luke 22:30 that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. In Luke 23:42 um, this was the thief on the cross. He looked over there at Jesus and he said unto him, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the answer was, we know today you will be with me in paradise. <clears throat> John 18, 36, Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. That I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is, is my kingdom not from hence. <clears throat> so there's, like I said, it, it, there's, every one of them could have a, verses could have probably a sermon um, on them. <clears throat> one thing we do know that to enter into this kingdom is like um, what we read about this morning that, that through uh, the devotions, that it's through salvation, it's through the blood of Christ, it's through the blood of Jesus that we are bought, that we are brought into the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and Colossians 1.13 tells us, for, for he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness and has brought us unto the kingdom of his dear son. So prior to salvation, prior to accepting Christ, you know, <clears throat> the world that we're born in, who rules this 
worldly kingdom. Well, he tells us, you know, that um, we were, you know, that Satan is the ruler, is the prince of the power of the air, is the ruler of darkness. Um, he was sent down here. Um, and so that's the kingdom that we're actually born, in, born into. Um, yet, everything that we've read and understand today, we know that God has defeated and Jesus Christ has defeated that power of darkness. And he wants us to live in his kingdom today, now. <clears throat> where, his, where Jesus is, rules and we can experience the freedom of redemption and forgiveness of sin and guilt and salvation. Salvation is a present experience of new living conditions. From living in the dark to living in the light. You know, and so... If you were living in, um, if you were living in, I uh, think King George the Fourth or whichever one may be in his realm or his kingdom, you know, you would. You're. Um, what I want to say is, I guess people are shaped and are um, by the culture and by the environment and by the kingdom that they're born into. They are. You know, for example, the, the, when the first Americans came here and, and encountered the Indians that were here, you know, the native Indians, they quickly realized that they was different in so many ways. You know, they thought they were heathens, they were uncultured, they were, and yet, in the environment they lived, what was wrong with it, you know? They, 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 um, their values, their lifestyles were totally different because of the culture they were born into. So just like us, being born into this, into this world, um, <clears throat> it, the Bible tells, and First John tells us that the whole world lies in the power of the enemy. And so we was born into that, into that kingdom. <clears throat> but now it tells us also that we have been translated out of darkness, of that domain, unto where the sun, where his dear son as the light. So God desires us to be shaped by his kingdom values <clears throat> and if we go back and if i read those again you know love repentance faith obedience purpose um fearless prayer um perfect love casts out fear i wondered about that word fearless a little bit how can we be fearless well if god is for us who can be against us if we're living in the in the kingdom of god then why there would there would be no fear right the fear is cast out and uh, so it is it is an aspect of that um <clears throat> So we, you know, what kind of things have shaped our life? What kind of things have shaped your character? Um, what kind of things have been, you know, have made you the person that you are today? Who are we today? And what has, what has, what has your environment and what has your culture and what is your upbringing and what is your, you know, your work, your job, your whatever it may be? What do we identify with the most? Position in life, I got those things down here. Money, hobbies, interests, knowledge, activities, you know, um, what, what may it be? Those things are shaping you. <clears throat> what does your life evolve around? These are things that are shaping the character and who you are as a person. So the, the, the simple thing here, I guess, is being... Are we shaped by a worldly culture, church culture, 
Even that can be a thing. Are you shaped by church culture? Are you shaped by, are you being shaped by kingdom culture? Um, it's important for us to understand um, that you were first, you were, you were born into a kingdom and then you became part of the kingdom of God and then, um, and that at this point in time in our lives, you could say, we must recognize that kingdom culture must come first if we want to be continually to be shaped by them. Colossians 2, verse 7 and 8. <clears throat> Let's read verse 6. So if we are a kingdom-minded person, um, he's asking us here, um, tells him, telling us here, that as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built it up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. <clears throat> then in verse 8 he tells us that we should beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords, King of kings, let's be rooted Grounded, built it up, established, and abounding with thanksgiving of the things that he gives to us and teaches us in, in, in his kingdom. Because <clears throat> Matthew 6, 33, a verse that we all know, we've heard many times, he tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added, unto, added to you. <clears throat> um, the verse that I have here, I thought about, uh, pertains maybe a little bit to the thing of um, of the question that came up in the Sunday school about that did these people how was it that Jesus was going to die or they thought he was going to reign or rule forever then they only had the scriptures so Isaiah 9 6 and 7 which we know this too um, but it just stood out to me as I as as we went, went across that I was going to share it and I thought well it's just a whole different perspective of what was shared so Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 tells us that this, that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then verse 7 says, so these people would have had this verse back then too, you know, this prophecy. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. His rule will never die. It'll always be there. You know, we think about government and rule. Of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, it says. So that's tough. That, that just give my thoughts. Went to that. It's like it says, of his kingdom... There will be, you know, there will be no end, and we know it's not. In in the, in the same likeness of 
of that parallel of the kernel of corn, it died, it fell to the ground and produced. It's interesting, how many kernels would actually be on an ear of corn? If you have a nice big ear, I'm not sure how many. And they produce two of them maybe. And every one of them that fall to the ground and die will produce again that amount. See, it's perpetual. It never stops. So there is no end to that cycle. There is no end to that cycle. <clears throat> so as, as, God's, as, as we read Scripture and as we understand God's Word, um, <clears throat> as the revelation of God's kingdom through His Holy Spirit that He teaches us and guides us, um, as it continues to increase in our lives, the motivation, you know, to be transformed more and more to his image is also there. We, we want to be more like him. Um, <clears throat> a person who is not into that kingdom is not minded like that. It doesn't have the perspective of, of the kingdom of God. He just gets, you know, we just get stuck in a rut and we continually deal with the same issues and the same sins and the same temptations over and over and over again. Every year, with, it seems like there's no victory there. You know, the scenery is the same. The lifestyle that leads to complacency. Complacency, I should say. Um, <clears throat> and we, just, we, can, that we can get stuck. So there's a continued need for perspective, kingdom perspective, and the increase of his kingdom within us. <clears throat> if you take a diamond and, you know, diamonds are cut maybe, I don't know how many different ways or places, but every time that you turn it, you see a new facet of it. You see each angle, you see new um, brilliance or whatever. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. It should be the same way as we look into the word of God. Um, <clears throat> motivation, moving forward. Your character is being developed you know, further. We're being changed. It says, it doesn't say that we should be stuck, but it tells us that we should be changed from glory to glory. We should continue to grow and increase. <clears throat> because of the verse we read back in Ephesians 1.19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Do you believe, I wrote this in there, do, do, do I believe that God has the power to transform our lives. If we do, and we should, and I believe we do, I believe we all do, then I also believe that it'll make a difference. I also believe it'll make a difference. <clears throat> what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? <clears throat> First Corinthians 4.20 tells us, that the word for the kingdom of God, it says, is not in word, but it's in power. <clears throat> the, you know, the, not only can God change you, but he can give you the motivation for that change. He can, he can give you the motivation and so that you can receive the power to change, to be transformed so that we no longer need to be slaves to our self, to our sin nature that is, you know, lies within each and every one of us. <clears throat> Romans 6 tells us that 
knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Romans 8.11 If the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So that word there says that he gives life to a mortal body. And we are all here living and breathing. We all have mortal bodies at this point. We are not immortal. So the one who, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give you life for your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. <clears throat> now, so we don't have to just settle and think that, oh, I can't change. Um, I can't be conformed to this image, um, you know, because we don't have to settle for just the person that we are today. We can continue to grow. And that's, I, this word is for me as much as it is for anyone. Um, we have the ability, we have the power of God given to us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And as it, as, as it does conform us, as it does change us, you will see the effects upon people, yourself and around you, you could say. <clears throat> kingdom, the kingdom perspective, um, you have your more destiny-minded um, than those who are not. You realize that everything you do and what you're involved in will have an effect, you know, upon the kingdom of God because your eyes of understanding and your perspective, um, you're, be, you're being open to what God has for you, all that God desires for you. Because he tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, it says, But it is written that the eye is not seen, nor the ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man, the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. <clears throat> I, my understanding of this verse maybe was way different than what it was after I read it and went through it this time. But, do you believe or you know, understand, you could say, that, that, that your eye or your ear or your heart, you know, eyes is not heard nor ear heard, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Is that exciting or is that just, what all has God prepared for you? You cannot even imagine, can you? You cannot imagine. Your eye can't you, you you know your eye can't see it and your ear has never heard it nor has your heart even encompassed it you could say what God has prepared for those who love him <clears throat> But God reveals those things to us and he shows us those things through the spirit that he says ye even the deep things of God So if we go back and we read them, read the couple of verses in Ephesians or the last couple of verses again, he says, and he put, and he says, because he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. <clears throat> so you are, everyone that's here 
you know, say we're all a necessary part of the whole. We're a necessary part of the whole. You're unique in your position and your relationship and your, where you're at in the kingdom of God. And yet, um, it affects the growth of everyone. It affects, your kingdom growth affects growth around you. You can say, your kingdom, you know, it affects, it affects the whole thing. That's what he's telling us there. Ephesians 4.16 tells us, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And I think that body that he's talking about there is the church. <clears throat> A person that's not um, kingdom-minded or has any perspective of the kingdom of God um, he functions, you could say, I read this, it simply functions for the sake of his ego, his pride, or self-gratification. It says, um, you know, and who does that affect outside of that? <clears throat> so we must have the understanding that John the Baptist had. When John the Baptist came out there, um, first came out and prepared the way of the Lord, um, in the wilderness and said, um, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We know what was John's, um, what was John's perspective of Jesus? We know when Jesus came there and he wanted to be baptized of him, he said, why do you come to me? I'm not worthy to even uh, tie your shoes, just giving it my own words. But at, the, but at the end, John the Baptist, do we know what John the Baptist said? You know what I, I claim his famous words are that should be our model today of Scripture? He said, I must decrease and he must increase. That's a kingdom perspective. I must, we must have that, you know, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. We got to let go of the ego, the pride, the, the territorialism. We all kind of have our own little space and our own little kingdoms, not that we want to control. We got to let go of that um, because it will interfere. Um, it will disrupt the perspective of I must decrease and Jesus must increase. We'll get that backwards is what will happen. <clears throat> And just to, you know, the kingdom of God is, is more than just you, this church. Um, it's far greater than that. You know, there's a word here that was, I read, it says it, in, it encompasses every strata of Christianity that exists. Denomination, stream, fellowship, movements, whatever it may be. And I looked, at, looked up the word strata. And strata is simply just like it's layers after layers after layers after layers of rock. And you see that throughout all the world. You know, you see that in surrounding us, you know. Um, but we must remember that Ephesians 4, 4, 6 tells us there's one body, that there's one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, of all who is above all and through all and in you all. <clears throat> so can we operate? Do we, do we function with, with what he tells us about the mind of Christ, that we have given, been given the mind of Christ? We've been given insight into his divine nature of God. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 2 Peter 1.4, By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.18, we're going to read this verse again. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of, your, of his calling, what are the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints. And 2 Peter 1.3, For his, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. That kingdom of God is a place where righteousness, peace, and joy will dwell. Because he tells us that Romans 14 says the kingdom of God is not, he says. I'm going to kind of close with this. The one thing that the kingdom of God is not. It's not in eating. It's not in drinking. But it's in righteousness. It's in peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. So may the kingdom of God's realities be, you know, be taken in today into our hearts. And if it is and does, then the effects, the, 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 as the corn died... As self dies and it reproduces, then it will have fruits that will bear unto all eternity. It will continue. Um, that would be um, our desire, I think, my desire for, for each and every one of us, that we would be motivated to, to put the, to have the, to be a new man, as he, as he tells us, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And be renewed with a vision to fulfill and to seek out um, and allow ourselves to be, um, allow the character of Christ to, and the character of the kingdom of God to be controlled by that kingdom and not the actual kingdom that we was born into. So that, that God has, he has, the power, we know he has the power to chart each and every one of our lives. Um, I'll just close with that and be open for sharing your testimony. <clears throat> Revelation.